A well-known pastor restored to ministry and then... Is it fair to criticize other churches over their Christmas program productions? You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Monday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Aubrey, Monday. Uh, Christmas is coming. We're Christmas in that. Christmas is coming. The goose is getting fat. Please don't put the thing in the old man's hat. Sorry, I wasn't. Thank I, you for joining us today on yeah, the Comic Good. I didn't expect for that to come out, but that just came out. So, you are so happy Christmas, Brian. Cheer. I you am, are ready to go. We are. Tis the season. We are in December. We're ready to go. I got up to our church yesterday. Uh, I, I got up to preach. And lately, I've been saying, hey, raise your hand if you have your Christmas tree up. And oh, a couple of people, you know, around Thanksgiving yeah. or whatever. And yesterday, I was like, let's switch it. <gasps> raise your hand if you, you don't. don't have your Christmas and tree. A couple people, yeah. a few. And then I, I was like, all right, now let's raise your hand if you don't, if you've yet to buy a Christmas present. And there were a couple people. Wow. Do you want to hear something a little shocking? Mm-hmm. Our friend Catherine McNeil, who sometimes comes in as a sub co-host when one of us is gone, so our listeners may know her. They're not getting a Christmas tree this year. They're going out of town over Christmas, and because they do a real tree, they just decided, like, this wasn't the year. And I was a little shocked. I I have to be honest. I was a little shocked. I would have thought that you would have said that that is the end of your friendship. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, she's been my friend for a long time, but I thought about it for a minute. I thought, can we keep going here? This Is is this a line in the sand of our friendship that you don't have a Christmas tree? Absolutely. So over the coming weeks, uh, including today, we'll have some Christmas things to talk about as uh, the real goal is, right, like uh, in the midst of all of the busyness, right, Aubrey, we want to remind people and remind ourselves that this is good news of great joy for all people and to just remember why that is. I know you had a chance to speak at a was it a Christmas brunch? It was, was a Christmas it a... tea. It was lovely. Tea. It was in the north of Chicago, so like North Shore. Nice. And it was decorated to the nines, and it was a beautiful event, and lots of talent singing, and it was just, yeah, it was a great way to kick off the season. Was it for women? Yeah, it was for women. So it no, wasn't a men's Christmas men, tea? <laughs> men were not at the lovely Christmas tea with the beautiful singing and decorations. I want to no. see the church that zigs while everyone else zags. They go, well, you know what we're doing? We're doing men's, we're doing men's Christmas tree, women's barbecue event. I That's love what this we're idea, doing, actually. So. I love this idea. So we're glad that you are with us today. Aubrey, there was some big news uh, in the evangelical church world yesterday. And mm-hmm. sometimes this feels like inside baseball because I start to realize people don't know who these people are. But if you've listened to our show, so true. you know, one of the pastors that I've said over the years I've listened a ton to uh, is a pastor by the name of Matt Chandler out of Dallas, Texas area. Yep. Uh, back in August, and I only remember exactly when it happened. Do you know those like where was I moments? Uh-huh. You know, and it was not because of how big the news was, yeah. but because of what was going on in my life. He stepped away and it became very mysterious. It had yes. to do with like inappropriate, you know, Instagram messaging with yeah. another woman. Yeah. It, they made it very clear it wasn't sexual right. or physical. Event. And, and people were like, what? What happened? But yeah, he it was stepped very away. confusing. Yeah. I remember it because I read it on my phone, on Twitter, sent you a screenshot from a line at Subway after <laughs> on my way home from dropping my daughter off at of college. Oh, I was like, where is this going? That yes. makes sense why you remember it. So wow. we were driving home. Wow. We stopped at Subway. Our eyes are still puffy from all of the tears <laughs> oh. that we were crying. And I'm like, oh, Matt Chandler's stepping away. <laughs> you know what would be a great full circle moment? What if 
one of two things. Matt Chandler speaks at your daughter's commencement. That would be wonderful. Or Matt Chandler and you go to Subway sometimes. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, let's go. Hey, we're finally going to spend some time together. I said, I'm you taking know, you to Subway. You know what I want? I'm going to get you a six-inch Subway club. Let's do this. <laughs> and a bag of chips. I'm going to spoil you, buddy. <laughs> oh, you're in Chicago? We can go to Portillo's. But no, you nope. know where we're going? Subway. We're going to eat fresh. Let's do this. <laughs> That would be wonderful. So I love it. I love it. Matt Chandler uh, preached yesterday. He was fully restored for back the first time since August. Since yeah, the since end of August. Yeah. And I think what so it is kind of exploded Christian evangelical Twitter, if you will. And yeah. there are a lot of people who think that this is completely inappropriate for a couple different reasons. One, they never said what happened. Mm-hmm. Like there's been this mystery of what happened. Yeah. Two, um, uh, is this fair to say, Aubrey? I do think there's a subset of people who aren't okay with any pastor being restored, yeah. and they kind of see it, you know, well, clearly this is yet another sign of the abusive male and the celebrity pastor yeah. and the this and that. Yeah. Uh, but their elders got up yesterday and they said, Matt has humbly done everything we've asked of him. He's met with this counselor. He's met with these people. And so he preached. And as tends to happen, Aubrey, when the big pastor comes back, got the standing ovation. Yeah, of course. And so a lot of people had problems with that, but he was restored to ministry. And I watched the very beginning of what he said through tears and uh, his, he was crying. I wasn't crying. Uh, He (laughs) was a lot of uh, regret, a lot of uh, I've learned a lot, um, which a lot of people took as healthy and good. Mm -hmm. And then there was a set of people who were like, this is manipulative. Mm -hmm. This is, they didn't speak about the women, woman at all. They didn't speak about, He's getting a standing ovation, all of this stuff. Uh, I, a little bit of a bent, as I've said, towards Matt Chandler. I enjoy him. I thought this was reason to celebrate. And I really found myself disappointed in the, in the way that, so you could be, you could think this is not right too quick, whatever, Mm -hmm. but the accusations that were being made, I was very disappointed in. Yeah. You know, I think this in my mind anyway, and and because we don't know what happened, and we sh- I don't know that we should know what happened, frankly, unless it's our church. Um, we're all making guesses here. But this doesn't, to me, fit in the same category as like uh, Mark Driscoll or Ravi Zacharias. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I understand that he's passed. But like, in my mind, those men should never be restored to ministry. Mark has been. But there are different categories of toxicity, abuse, et cetera. This story does not seem to fit into that. I think mm-hmm. Chandler humbly went before his people and said, look, this thing happened. It shouldn't have happened. He's walked through the restoration process. And I and I do think it's sort of a – I want to be careful when I say this because I understand that there is, like, dark corruption and leadership that mm-hmm. needs to come out. At the same time, if we get to the point where the, uh, our own church can't celebrate restoration yeah. and – pastors who are choosing integrity and all I've seen from Lauren Chandler is just like real raw stuff on Instagram while also really supporting and backing up her husband. Like if we can't support this family and just restoration in the church, then like, what are any of us doing? Yeah, there do you, you go. know what I mean? I, I mean, do. is God a God of restoration or not? And again, this category feels so different than some of the other crazy abuse stories you right. and I have talked about over the years. So Christiana Day says in late August, uh, Chandler confessed to an inappropriate online relationship with a woman he was direct messaging on Instagram. Chandler said at the time that the ongoing exchange was neither sexual nor secret. His wife knew about it. 
but the church's elders were nonetheless concerned, quote, about frequency and familiarity, and specifically a familiarity that played itself out in coarse and foolish joking. So pretty vague. Yep. Um, but this is where I got it got unfair. So uh, we've quoted Ruth Graham before. Ruth Graham wrote over at wrote about this at um, the New York Times. That's how big this got. And she went to the service yesterday, which felt a little icky to yeah. me. A reporter going to the service, yeah. reporting. I don't know. It just felt weird. This is where you start to see I, what I would see as unfair, Aubrey. She ended her talk, uh, her article this way. As Mr. Chandler left the stage after his first emotional appearance, the band began to play a contemporary version of A Christmas Carol, starting mid-song with the words that were also emblazoned on a banner on the church's facade. Oh, come, let us adore him. Yeah, I, I think that feels an un- unfair. Yeah, right? that's a that's a low blow. And I actually really like Ruth Graham quite a bit. And I really um, again with Matt Chandler, I have not been in your camp where he's like the guy I go to. I have some I have some he and I disagree on things sure, about women for and sure. in ministry, et cetera. That said, that's a low blow. Obviously, the church is not talking about, oh, come, let us adore Matt Chandler. They're that's talking right. about Jesus. Matt wholeheartedly would say that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, not him. I think his humility in this showed that. I think that I think it's going too far. And I I guess I just I long to see a day where we're not. It just feels like the church hates the church right now. That's a great. And I I'm 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 broken by it. I mean, I think it's terrible. And can we also be adult enough to say. There should not every pastor should be restored to the pulpit, but yeah. not no pastors should be restored yeah. to the pulpit. Like yeah. there's a gradation in there that yeah. says, you know, what, we're taking sin seriously, but this one feels like we are comfortable bringing back this one. No. Right. Uh, and, and let's try to work towards that. So I want to celebrate an ultimate Aubrey. Ultimately, Aubrey, the proof is going to be in the pudding. It absolutely We is. might be doing a Matt Chandler story in six months. We going, might be. Wow, we got that yep, one wrong. I'm be. crying at Subway. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but I just don't think that's going to happen. And so hopefully uh, this has a good ending. Coming up next, we are in the season of elaborate Christmas programs at churches. Christmas pageants. Uh, what do we think of them? There was uh, an article over at Church Leaders that described one particular church program that a lot of people have a problem with. I want to tell you about it and get your response. Next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. It is the Christmas pageant season program time of it year. It is that time of year. Do you guys do a Christmas pageant program no, at your church? No, we do a Christmas Eve service, service. that this year yeah. we're doing on the 23rd. Fine, so, we are too. Fine. Uh, oh, you're the one who called it Christmas Adam, were you not? I mean, it's it's not my joke, but I it's a yeah, it's kind of it's an old church. Joke. It's kind of an old churchy joke cuz Adam came before Eve, but That's I'm true. Yeah, That's it's true. dumb, it's but not, it's not a terrible joke. Yeah. It's pun. It's more punny. It's punny. Okay. That's right. That's right. Uh, but you, what you always read about at this time of year, Easter and Christmas, right? You and I, we pastor smaller, medium-sized churches. Yep. This is the time you have to guard your soul a little bit because you get on Facebook or Twitter. And I think this was a lot harder for me five or seven years ago. Now I just kind of laugh at it. But you'll get the big church people going, hey, we just did our first of 37 services. <laughs> and you're like doing Christmas Eve services on December 15th. Right. And you're like, I don't understand right. it. Why are we right. even calling it that? It's so true. Or like, oh, we're doing Good Friday starting on Monday. And you're like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> and so I think when I first started a church, there was a little bit of jealousy, a little oh, bit of envy sure. for me. Yeah, you're I kind of like, man, that, they get to do that. That's so awesome. I don't yeah. feel that anymore. Yeah. I think one of the reasons is I think age. 
Uh, mm. But I also think one of the reasons is a lot of the churches that do it aren't doing so well anymore. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, and honestly, I mean, some of the churches that are doing it, like, can do it. And you don't have to be the church that does that. You can be the church that does other things. So you know? that is a great segue. Let me tell you about Preston Wood Baptist Church, huge church down in Plano, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier this week, uh, somebody posted a video on TikTok taken at the church showing drummers suspended from the ceiling of their auditorium practicing for their annual The Gift of Christmas program. The caption read this, Casual Christmas Worship Service in Texas. The video had been viewed 2.3 million times and has over 200,000 comments, many of which were blasting Preston Wood for its elaborate Christmas production. So one person said this, Who needs Cirque du Soleil when you can get it free at church services? And then another said, tell me the preacher has a private jet without telling me the preacher has a private jet. So the gift of Christmas at this church includes a live 50-piece orchestra, a cast and choir of nearly a 1,000 people, flying angels, live animals, a living nativity, a massive LED video wall, and more. The church performs 14 shows in December. All but three of the showtimes are already sold out. Wow. The gift of Christmas is a longtime tradition in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. For more than a quarter century, this church has pulled out all the stops in the celebration of the birth of Jesus. Wow. All right. So this is going back and forth, as tends to happen. Preston Wood says they believe Jesus deserves our absolute best, especially at Christmas. So you've got this going back and forth. Aubrey, for people who might listen to the show on a regular basis, I'm going to answer the question first. Okay, let's hear. I think you might be surprised. Okay, let's hear what you think. Totally fine with this. Yeah. They budgeted for it. They got people serving. Right. If they're proclaiming the name of Jesus as opposed to, like, look at what we're doing. Yeah. I'm totally good with this. And I think that, it again, when you said before, one of the things that you struggle with is the church seems to hate the church Mm -hmm. right now. This feels like another one of those scenarios. I guess I want to I want to reply on tw- on TikTok to these people. If I were on TikTok, why do you care? Yeah, just don't go. Like if you if you don't like it, just don't go. Why do you care? And I I also like some churches have the ability to do this kind of thing. Yeah. I, I don't think. I mean, I think the line "We want to give our best to Jesus" could be a little debatable because "best" yeah. means different things, right? Based on your church circumstance your community, the community's needs, et cetera. But my guess is they are proclaiming the gospel. My guess is a ton of people are exposed to the gospel for the first time, if not come to Christ for the first time. My guess is family and friends bring all kinds of people that are from all sorts of faith to hear the gospel through this event because it's so like welcoming and lavish. And my guess is, and I don't know this church at all, but I think one of the, my guess is the skepticism is, Oh, they could be doing X, Y, Z with that money. I bet they do a lot with that yeah. money. I bet yeah. they give generously to their neighborhood. Again, I don't know this church well, but I'm. I this seems fun. And if you have budgeted for it and you can do it and you have the talent, it's a passion for your church. It's a blessing to your community. You're seeing people come to Christ. I mean, we say this all the time, like this evangelism method is better than no evangelism method. And we're going to talk about that later in the show. Like, I do think the church has lost its passion for evangelism. So if this is one way a church can do it and they love it, then again, let's just celebrate it or just don't go. Yeah. One of the pastors said at each performance, 
A clear presentation of the gospel is given and a time of response follows. We ask each person responding to the gospel for the first time to switch on their cell phone flashlight all across the auditorium. The church also offers an invitation to participate in follow-up discipleship programs by signing up via text message. So uh, the real question is, again, here's, here's where I go. If I lived in Dallas... Don't, I'm pretty confident I wouldn't attend this church. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not my cup of tea. Yeah. Uh, the older I get, the more that I like kind of a small family, community, local, community yeah. this or that. But that doesn't mean that this is bad. Right. That doesn't mean, and again, I think if they were giving no money to charity or doing no help in the community, which I don't know. Right. If that were the case, then I might have a problem yeah. with something yeah, to this. Yeah, you could criticize it then. But I'm pretty confident that Prestonwood Baptist Church is doing stuff in the Dallas area, and they're probably serving people through this program. They've had tens of thousands of people over the decades come to Christ through this. Amazing. That I, I do think it highlights the snarkiness of social media and Christian social media mm-hmm. right now that I think— um, I'm getting it's, less and less the ability. Like, we all know the people who are going to end up blogging yeah, about this. Totally. We all know the articles and yeah. the Twitter accounts. They're going to make each other feel good yeah. about about making fun of this. And like you said, who are you reaching this Christmas? I also, I mean, okay, this is not a fully formed thought. There's a place to critique. I never want to say there isn't. There's a yeah. place for political discourse. But I also wonder, like, have we sort of lost the fear of God when it comes to his church like this i don't i don't know it feels like there's a spirit in the air of just total derision towards the church from church people i said Mm. this earlier like it just feels like the church hates the church and i i don't know i i need it's something i feel like i need to pray about and think through a little bit more but just to be mindful of like when am i cynical and snarky in my own mind at other church efforts instead of celebrating what god is doing in different expressions of churches throughout the world yeah. Every church can't do this. I mean, of course, there are churches in like third world countries that will never have the ability to do this. And yet, do we say then, therefore, you should not you should not do what God has called you to do? I, I don't know. I think it's something we all need to be really mindful I of agree. our own cynicism and our own hate and ask God to really, I think, give us a fresh spirit of generosity and, and celebration of all expressions of the church. There you go. So uh, be careful of your soul. Be careful of yeah. your snarkiness. And uh, yeah, like you said, there's time for critique. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure this is the one, although the big church spending lots of money on an outreach is an easy target. It's an easy it's a target, real easy but that's target. why it's like, really check yourself. And also, I mean, dudes playing drums in the air is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be honest about that. That's yeah. awesome. And you know what we all do, even in smaller churches, we go, hey, how can we turn it up just a little bit at Christmas time? It's true. At we Easter, do. We do. While pointing fingers at the yeah. people who really turn it up. So yeah. there you go. I'd like to watch how this looks online. Maybe I'll we'll tune in some Let's one of these days. go down to Dallas and do a live show. That's probably not going to happen either. <laughs> Coming up next. Aubrey, I'm confident you didn't see this because it happened during a football game this weekend. But did you see the controversy around the Dr. Pepper challenge? That feels like a very low blow because I did not see this. I saw a Pepsi controversy (laughs) with Lindsay Lohan. This is different. Completely different. I'm going to tell it to you and we're going to unpack it next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. I teased this before, but you uh, during halftime of the SEC championship game this weekend, the football game. Which I know that you were you were locked into. You probably even had some money on it. You're probably gambling with people. Yep. You're watching. You probably went from watching, you know, 
the, the Big World 12 Cup. championship. Yeah, the World Cup yep. in the morning to the Big 12 yep. to the SEC. You ended with the Big 10. Definitely. I'm sure that's I what was, your weekend was. I was not watching a Royal Corgi Christmas. I was not watching Christmas at the Golden Dragon. I was not watching Christmas Cookie Love. I was definitely watching only football. We're not going to do this right now, but to remind me, at some <laughs> point this week, we need to talk about the new Meghan Markle news. <gasps> Oh, okay. Can we? Okay, we'll talk about you, that later today. You, you remind are. me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so the SEC championship game. What they do at a lot of these games, Dr. Pepper has become known for this. So they bring out two students, grad students or college students, and they have a competition. So they set up a, like, it's throw a ball into the Dr. Pepper can with okay. a hole in it, right? Yeah. Like yeah. this big inflatable Dr. Pepper can. And it's really kind of comical because now they've all realized that to chest pass them is more efficient. So it's not actually a football throwing competition. It's they're like grabbing a... a ball and they're just kind of okay. going. Gotcha. So these two girls, yeah, they look like they're probably in their low twenties. This is for a hundred thousand dollar tuition Whoa! scholarship. Okay. okay. Most of them going to grad school, med school, whatever else it might be. You come to find out later, the loser, because they've done, they've won all these competitions to get to this. Okay. Gotcha. The loser is going to get twenty grand. Okay. Wow. So these two girls, they line up. Clock goes off and they start throwing these balls. Okay. okay. And they've got, uh, you're watching this and yeah. it goes for a minute. Okay. And you're watching this and they're both just doing great. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the last one, the buzzer goes off and they're tied. No. And you're like, oh, what happens? Yeah. Uh, so they, they go, by rule, there will now be a 15 second, like, yeah. overtime. Right, right. Buzzer goes off. They start going, start going 15 seconds, tied. No. And then, well, it's halftime. They have time, you know, all this stuff. The guy, the announcer goes, as per the rules, uh, there's a tiebreaker from a competition yesterday. So, so and so won. And nobody even knows what that is. So, all these people are watching. They're like, I wanted to see them have to go again. Wait, for real? So, they declared this one girl the winner, even though they tied. My guess is it's like cumulative from like the other rounds, right? Okay, gotcha. Because that in the back, makes of, their, sense. In the back yeah. of their minds, they're probably like, hey, the teams have to come out here like, and we've play. Got we got we to okay? move on here. We don't have time for this. Twitter went <gasps> crazy. <laughs> of, course, of course, Twitter Twitter did. went crazy. And it was, this Why? is one of the things I want to talk about. Because they're all like, it's unfair. Let them go again. Okay. Give them another 15 yeah. seconds yeah. like this and that. Because, uh, And that's where it came out that the girl, <laughs> the loser girl got 20, the losing girl got 20,000. Uh, by the end of Saturday, what do you think happened? Uh, they, they, uh, they, they changed the reward and they gave the loser girl more money. The, by the end of Saturday, Dr. Pepper had declared both of them a hundred thousand dollars. No, winners. I knew it. I knew both it. Of them Are you kidding? Won a hundred thousand dollars. Good for the girl who didn't actually win. Wow. So a couple different things. <laughs> One, it was just funny uh, because these things are you know they're going. But imagine if you were the one who. Got the 20 instead of the 100, and you're like, but we tied, right? Yeah. And I'm sure they knew the rules, but nobody watching knew. And it was super exciting. You're like, they got to go again. They got to go again. Uh, but this is where I – well, give me your impression on that. You didn't see it. Now you're going to YouTube it. <laughs> well, but tell you know me about it. You know what's funny? Later on in the show, we're actually going to talk about, like, have we – are we a culture of no accountability anymore? And this is sort of – participation trophy-ish, mm -hmm. right? Like, okay, I understand that if you're watching it, you're like, wait a second, I want to see who wins. That part, I actually understand why everyone's up in arms. I think I would feel that way too. Like, no, this isn't fair. But if you think about it logically, okay, they, the game actually has to start. And two, 
Yeah, cumulative points. The one woman did get more footballs in. Okay, she's the winner. But the part about the fact that Dr. Pepper came back and said they both win, that's participation trophy (laughs) culture that we live in right now, which sometimes I'm okay with. I don't know necessarily what I think about it here. Here's what I know. It doesn't hurt Dr. Pepper to give them both 100000 no, It makes Dr. Pepper PR. look good. Great PR. Blessed the, these two people who were participating, so why not? Yeah, no, this is wonderful PR that, that they they are going to get so much more money. Yeah, totally. Uh, off, off of that than anything else. Um, what it did show me, okay, I got your participation trophy. You and I spend a lot of time on this show just killing social media, even though we're on it. We just roast social media i feel like this is a good use of social media yeah they only gave that girl the hundred grand because social media went nuts and when i say it went nuts uh everyone who was watching it it became like a thing on twitter on saturday can we cheer on social media here feel like like it was used for positive and you and using it to benefit this other person you're right like i do i do see sometimes i remember several years ago there was a um ad campaign for a beauty brand and they only showed one type of woman like she was like what you'd expect tall thin wayfish etc and social media went crazy and i remember that the company came back and they did a whole new ad campaign with women who just look different different body types different uh skin color different just and that was another moment where i thought social media just won like sometimes Mm. i think social media can be used to make change and help people in a way that's really, really powerful. Unfortunately, we see the negative effects of it too often, but this is a good one. I like this. Yes. This is a good story. So, social media came through here. So if you were in this challenge, how do you think you would do? You got the pressure, a sold out arena. You're on the field. You're, you've got to pick up a football and throw it Ryan. through a little, uh, oh, by the way, there was other controversy. The girl who ended up winning. Yeah. Totally not her fault. One of hers went in and just happened to bounce back (gasps) out. And everyone's like, what's the rule? What's the rule? No, no, no. I can't. I mean, okay. I want to be fair to myself. There are things. I like jogging. I like exercise. Like, there are (laughs) things that I'm good at. But if you watch me try to pick up and throw a football, it is like I have di- I ha- I don't know what to do with my arms all of a sudden. Like I'm like I how do you hold this? I've what is this thing? I would be terrible at this. I would not make it this far at all. I'd probably stop and start crying. Like this is not my jam. It's not your jam. Right here. This is not my moment, but I'm happy to celebrate these Dr. Pepper football throwers. You would dominate this probably. I don't know if that's true because, A, it's a completely different deal, the chess pass. Yeah. But I would certainly practice it up. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting. They keep doing these. you got to watch a football game and, I, and find out if they're doing the Dr. Pepper challenge. challenge. I heard over the weekend. This is a little controversial, too. It's related to another, uh, related to another pop, another soda, okay. another Coke. Oh, did you just say pop? I wasn't. I was trying to figure out what to say. What do you say? I know this soda. is a whole thing. It's, you say no, soda. It's not a whole thing. Well, yeah. it is. No, it's it is. The, it's educated versus uneducated. This is like wow. Yeah, that no. Was very elitist. Pop. Of you. We're gonna name it after the noise it makes. Do you know? We don't call our food crunch. Well, I mean, come on now. Do you know? I grew up in the South, so what did we call it? Coke. Yep. Everything was Coke. That's because you guys didn't have the mental capacity for two <laughs> words. <laughs> Every, everything was Coke. Let's get a Coke. Let's get a Coke. My parents still say, "Let's go get a Coke." So, so then you order a Coke, and then they ask you what kind? Yes. 
Literally. That makes no sense. I know. It actually doesn't. Now that I've lived in the Midwest for a long time, I understand it. But I that was what we knew. Okay, so speaking of Cokes, uh, Pepsi has a new ad <laughs> there campaign. There it is. Thank you. Pepsi has a new ad campaign with Lindsay Lohan. She's sort of making a strange comeback. I wonder what's going on there. I think there's a whole story. But people were kind of cringy because it's this new uh, pilk. Pepsi and milk. Oh, that's And gross. she's like challenging people to put hashtag pilk and take pictures of their Pepsi and their milk. That's gross. That's gross, right? Yep, yep. yep. I'm not exactly sure what the thought behind that was. Any it's supposed milk, to be like a Christmas. Any milk thing. challenge is gross. We used to get yeah. people to do them in college. Like, hey, we'll all give you $5 if you could drink this no, many no, no. milks that's in this so month. And they inevitably threw Vomit. up. Vomit. Yeah. And it's just gross. Yeah, any yeah. milk challenge. So, yeah. All right. Go watch the Dr. Pepper, the Coke. Parenthetically, Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Uh, football challenge <laughs> there you'll see some more of those as the bowl season comes uh coming up next aubrey i want to play some uh an inspirational video mm, that okay. i read that i heard uh dr alistair Begg the other day talking about the role of scripture in our love, lives i, I want to play that and talk about it next year on the common good aim 1160 hope for your life we've had a good time so far talking dr pepper challenge church christmas programs uh, but, Aubrey, I want to talk something a little more serious, uh, and I want to hear in a second here from Dr. Alistair Begg, who has a show here on our station. Uh, you and I both said I love him for what he says and how he says it I know, with it's the that accent. accent. It's hard. It's, I mean, he could say anything, and I'd be like, yes, I believe you. Please take me <laughs> to Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, I believe he was actually preaching or talking in a sermon about homosexuality, but it might have been something else. But he went on a little bit of a tangent about what he sees as the major issue undergirding all of our culture wars. Hmm. All of, uh, you know, all of these. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but you're going to hear him say this. Uh, That being, what do we believe about the Bible? Let's listen to Dr. Alistair Begg. We're not free to tamper with the Bible. We're not at liberty to rewrite the Bible to accommodate godless perspectives. Whether it's a godless perspective on euthanasia or on abortion or on sexuality, whatever it might be, transgenderism. And in this arena right now, at this point in the 21st century here in America, within the framework of church, whatever you want to call church, big church, let everybody go in for the moment and think about this. The danger is an increasing danger that those who should know better are losing their convictions, not about sexual matters, but about the authority of the Bible. That is the issue. In all of these things, it is all from the Garden of Eden. The evil one came and said, did God really say? Did he really say that? They believed the lie and the rest followed. The same bullet is in his gun. Coming to the pastor and saying, but wait a minute, pastor. Is that what it really means? Is that what he really said? And those who are in positions of responsibility need to face that. If we lose conviction about the authority of the Bible, if we then become uncertain about it, then we lose our voice. If we then in turn become indifferent to the issue, then we're in real trouble. All right, besides the phenomenal accent, what did you have to think about him basically saying, we're still dealing with the lie of the Garden of Eden when when Satan said to Adam and Eve, did God really say that? Yeah, I feel like that is such a profound insight. Did God really say? And then I I think it was Beth Moore I was reading. She she says that um, another question in the Genesis account is, where are you? Hmm. Meaning, you know, kind of if we think about that in the same way that Alistair Begg is talking about, like, where are you? Like, have you forgotten 
who God is, that God is who he really say he is, that the word of God is authoritative. And I think that did God really say is a question that um, the enemy is really, I mean, not just each of us individually, but the church in general. Did God really say that? Did God really say that? And we're really having to ask ourselves, like, do we believe in the word of God, the authority of God? And do we believe like the the um, interpretations that we've inherited? Do we even believe in those mm. anymore? It's it's interesting to think about that as um, the question undergirding everything. Yeah. I think Alistair Begg's right about that. Here's where it gets murky. I love your thoughts on this. There are things in the Bible that we may think are clear that when you actually know. read them, yeah. do the work, listen to the scholars, is that aren't so clear. Right. But yet the danger is making everything not clear. Yeah. Like how do you or how do we want our people who are listening or in our churches to navigate that? Because there are some things where people have said, it's in the Bible. I read it in the Bible. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's a little more nuanced than that. Right. Let's have a conversation. But there are other things where people go, well, it's nuanced. And in order to be able to justify anything. And so I don't have a great answer to this. How do we walk that? Because that's what I thought as Alistair Begg was talking a little bit. I'm like, certainly Alistair Begg would never be one to say, never try to dig deep into the studies. Never. Certainly. So how do we walk that line? Man, I think that's that's a really uh, difficult question. I do think some of the answer of that is like we we walk it in community. We walk it with faithful Bible scholars. We we walk it with the Holy Spirit. Like we continue to just... um, you know, pray through, talk with the global church. I think like what historically have there been interpretations of the unclear passages. Mm. And then I think some things we go, okay, God, I'm choosing this by faith. Like, I don't actually know. I might be wrong and weak here, but I, by faith, I'm going to move forward in this way. And then I think there are also things where it's okay to just go, I don't know. People disagree on this and have since the Bible was put in people's hands. So I'm just going to hold that as like, I don't know. Here's what some people think. Here's what some people think. I tend to lean here. I tend to lean here. But I think the key is we can't get away from the word of God being the authoritative um, guide for our mm-hmm. life. And I think when that happens, when we allow kind of the confusion and the nuance and the different interpretations to make us think, well, then God's word must not be true or God's word must be fallible. That's when I think we get into problematic territory. Mm. So somehow you have to learn to be okay with nuance and be okay with realizing like this is an ancient text written to an ancient audience in ancient languages. And we're just doing the best we can. Yeah. And I, and I don't mean we're flippantly doing the best we can. I mean, like people have dug and learned and yeah. are doing the best we can. Yeah. And also we're holding what we hold provisionally until the Holy spirit shows us something different. I think at the heart of it has to be that I'm coming to scripture saying, I want it to speak. As yeah. opposed to I'm going there going, you know what, I'm pro this, mm. and I'm going to make the Bible get me there yeah. or be able to be a justification. As opposed to, you know what, here's the issue. Take, you know, homosexuality. Mm-hmm. I am going to, a lot of this takes time. I'm going to give it time. I'm going to read all the pertinent passages, and I'm going to read on both sides of the issue from people smarter than me who mm-hmm. have done the work. Mm-hmm. And then in community and through prayer— I'm going to, as best I can, say, what is God saying yeah. here? What is this? Yeah. As opposed to, you know what? I'm anti-gay. I'm anti-homosexuality. Right. And I'm going to use the Bible. I'm going to start pulling stuff out or yeah. whatever. Or I'm pro um, whatever else. And I'm going to show you why from this. Mm-hmm. And you sit there going, 
oh, now we're using the Bible as the weapon to just move our own agenda right, forward. Right. There has to be a way that we can say, I'm going to try to almost neutrally with some of these topics go, I'm going to go to scripture in community from both sides and give it the work and the gravity that it deserves. And I'm going to let scripture kind of speak and form me versus the other way around. Yeah. I think that's a real, that's the right posture that we don't go to the text looking to find justification for our own means and agenda. We go to the text to let it shape us and ultimately let God shape us and change us. Mm -hmm. And God's word is, is we are in submission to the word of God, not the other way around. And that can feel sometimes tricky and hard, but the reality is as Christians, like we do believe this holy book is our, our authority and a gift from God, an invitation from God to experience his intimacy and his way of life. That's right. Brian and I'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.